The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Merger Monday. Oil giant Chevron acquiring Hess for $53 billion in stock. Look, they don't like to do deals in cash because oil prices move so much when you're dealing with a commodity. If it's at $90 now, if it went down to $60, you look like you've overpaid for it. Groundhog Day, choosing a Speaker of the House. Right now, it feels like even Jesus couldn't get to 217. Former Republican Ways and Means Chair Kevin Brady. The election tomorrow may be a bit of a fresh start. And former Democratic Rep Donna Edwards. There's a lot of work to be done between now and the end of the year, and you just can't have this chaos. And NBA star Andre Iguodala leaving the court and heading full-time into venture capital. His advice to other athletes? Be obsessed. We spent our whole lives getting ready for the NBA. You have to have similar focus in order to be a great tech investor. Plus, Monday morning quarterbacking on the T-Swift-Travis Kelsey romance. Do you think he's just trying to show off? Yes. It's October 23-23. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And uh, here we go. Chevron buying Hess in an all-stock deal that's valued at $53 billion. Uh, that's $171 a share, and I think that's a pretty low premium, 4.9% of a premium over the closing price for Hess on Friday. Hess shares right now are up by about two and a quarter percent. Chevron shares down by about 2.9 percent. And this deal comes just weeks after ExxonMobil made its move to buy Pioneer Natural Resources. Um, As you can see, both these stocks on the move, as we just mentioned, Hess CEO John Hess is going to be joining Chevron's board. We've got a lot more details on this. In fact, I just got off the phone with Mike Worth, the CEO there, Mm -hmm. asking about what happened with some of these numbers. Very low premium on this. They'd been talking for more than six months. This goes back since long before any of the uh, rumors came out about ExxonMobil and Pioneer, that deal that actually went through last week. And a lot of people thought after that deal that maybe Chevron would be looking for something else in the Permian Basin, that that was what was kind of on play. And you saw a lot of those stocks that have moved ever since. He said it wouldn't really make sense for them because he pointed out that they have more acreage in, in the Permian Basin than ExxonMobil will have even, even after, after This is Pioneer. about Guyana or something? Yeah, this is about Guyana. They have right now 2.2 million acres in the Permian, and after the ExxonMobil with deal with uh, Pioneer, they will have 1.6 million acres. He said it just wouldn't make a lot of sense to be doubling down there. Guyana is the big thing that you mentioned, mm-hmm. but that is a really unique asset. John Hess, we know pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, he's come on over yep. the years. Many, many times. And this is a big deal. I also ask, why are you doing this with all stock instead of with cash? Because they have so much cash on hand. The Chevron, the Exxon deal last week was half cash or a little bit more than half mm-hmm. cash by the time they went through. Um, this is a situation where he said, look, they don't like to do deals in cash because oil prices move so much when you're dealing with a commodity. If it's at $90 now, if it went down to $60, you look like you've overpaid for it, and the other side looks like it's sold 
uh, at a dumb price if it goes yeah. up significantly. Right, this too. is like overpriced cats for overpriced yes. dogs. Yeah. But then I asked him too, it, this has to be a tax situation yep. too for John Hess because if, I think the Hess family between their trusts and things on something like 8% or something around that right, the stock, company. it's a much more tax advantageous deal to do it in a stock transaction for something like that right. too. It's like one share. It's like share for share, yeah. uh, 1.025. It, but it's in no way a merger of equals at 318 billion versus um, 53 billion. Right. Yeah. Uh, but um, and it, you know it's not, the market's not saying, "Whoa, it's look, there's some merger activity." This is not help sentiment. So, the sentiment's bad. So here's a question for you: <clears throat> Look, the price of oil for the most part is out of the hands of a lot of these companies, mm -hmm. in large part. However, do regulators decide to look at this? just given the size of these companies. I mean, this goes back to we were, the we're Exxon deal was, Exxon, Exxon was a slightly different situation because of the, the retail piece of it. Yeah. I mean, or the lack of retail piece of it. This is, this is, this has both. And so I just wonder if you're, especially regulators named Lena Khan. I'm just, I'm, I'm just <laughs> asking the question. I would think that she's waking up this morning, bad looking is, at this big is and bad. saying, someone's got to make a phone call today. Big is bad. Right? Oh, I can't imagine they won't, you know, they throw everything at the wall. Well, no, no. And then the question is, is, is that right? Is it wrong? I don't, I don't know the wrong. answer. Wrong. We've had our own puts. Well, no, no. There have been deals that have been wrong. Uh, you know, that we're, no, we're I clearly know. there haven't been. There we isn't have the overlap. She's there just... is overlap in this context. Yeah. Right. Uh, a couple of things just for shareholders. They are holding a conference call at 7.30 Eastern time this morning. But ahead of that, I'll tell you a couple of things. They are planning on taking all the cash that they're not using on this deal and giving a lot of it back to shareholders. They're going to be increasing their share buybacks by $2.5 billion to $20 billion per year. And come January, they're, they're going to be talking about increasing, or they're not talking about, they will be increasing their dividend per share by 8% to $1.63 a share. That's going to be what they're doing with some of this excess cash that they have left over. By the way, the company points out, Chevron points out, Mike Wirth says that their free cash will double by 2027 under this deal. So uh, they're looking at it in a lot of positive ways. And again, this has been going on for more than six months. These talks have been going on for a very long time. 3.6% yielder right now. Right now. Not right. too shabby. And I, I, Mike also said that they have increased their um, their. Uh, dividend per share by about six percent annually every year. They're going to, and that's double what any of their competitors are in the market. Any of the big competitors, they're going to be increasing it by eight percent, so by even more. And that's what they're doing with the cash that they're not using on this deal, since it's an all-stock deal. I mean, was there any discussion about the? Is it going to be a Chevron truck at, <laughs> at Christmas? Do you know? Is that uh, instead of the Hess truck? I, I, that's a really good question. No, I did not. No kidding. Uh, you know oh, the Hess is a great brand. It is a great brand. brand. Yeah, the Hess that. trucks we've had for forever. Well, will they keep it, though? For Hess airplanes and Hess helicopters they're, and Hess... It's been a gift we've had no, every but do we know if they're gonna, No, but do we know if they're going to keep the Hess brand at the retail, um, you know, at gas stations across the country? You don't, but I would. I think you wouldn't. You wouldn't? Why? You'd want Chevron? Chevron? Why you have, this, you have like Chevron Hess. already as a brand? Because of the trucks. Why do you want to spend the money to market both brands? Well, they're probably not probably calling do. it Chevron Hess. Like no, Exxon they're going to call it Chevron. They'll call, they'll, and they'll knock out every marketing expense that they have currently. Why, they don't need to have two marketing I'll departments and it. two I'll ad miss campaigns. The trucks. I'm, I'm just personally would like to see the Hess trucks still All right, coming. asking. Find out. We'll find out. But again, um, yeah, big deal on a Monday morning. Huge. Yep. And, and Mike Worth's legacy, probably, legacy deal for, not that he's old. What happened? He Mike Worth says we're still working on the plan for the trucks. They are very important to John Hess. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we're That's in great. favor of that too. What you say it here and it comes out there. No, is that how it works? No, they say it there. So that uh, yes. good. Yeah. Keep your phone. 
Higher vehicle prices and borrowing costs putting pressure on the consumer. More Americans now falling behind on their car payments. Fitch says the percent of subprime borrowers were at least now 60 days late. It rose by 6.1% in September. That's the highest level since 1994, and the figure was just below 6% in January, Joe. We keep seeing like these one-offs that, uh, and this number, this GDP number is supposed to, have you seen estimates for what it could be? No. Could be, I, I, I gotta make sure that the number I saw is possible, but I mean, we're talking much more, much higher. Like, we'd be the global leaders by, by far. Our economy would be, except for China, but which is still, but. But uh, China's come down But so much, much better. Uh, and still, we, a lot of people just aren't feeling it. And this is one of, another example of that. The numbers on Thursday for the first read on third quarter GDP, Releasement confirmed me, I didn't even want to say it, 4.5%. That's crazy. With some estimates as high as 5%. For, for like the recession that we've been talking about and talking about and yep. talking about and waiting for, how do you do that with a GDP of 4.5%? That and the Fed is, you know. It's a nightmare for them, but but who knows how long it lasts. But um, five percent above China, so we would be like one of the. Wasn't didn't China just do four and a half or something? I think you're right. I think yeah. China just did. So we'd be maybe the strongest developed uh, country current GDP globally, wasn't it? That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, four point nine percent in the third quarter. So, so four and a half if, is if the you, estimate. If, you, if it if was five. If you get the five percent, the whisper number, right. then yeah, potentially. Taylor Swift dominating the box office. Her heiress tour, a movie making another $31 million over the weekend. The domestic total now uh, at $130 million. And I just got to tell you, watching uh, last night, she's there again. In, in I saw. But yep. Kelsey is like, okay, she likes you already. You don't need to. Did you see him? He had 150 yards or something in the right. first half. That was the best <laughs> game. That would have been his best. he's just trying to show off? Yes. And by the way. And I, he's doing it. And then, I mean, he was just unbelievable. I mean, it never even. And then a touchdown he made, he just moved the whole entire pack into the, the end. He was such a, not for nothing, but I was getting a little bit, uh, I was thinking, wow, I, I wish he wasn't with her. I'm serious. I mean, he is a stud. That was University of Cincinnati guy. But. What do you mean move on? What, what do you mean move on? For anybody Cantino? who for anybody who for huh? anybody who was wondering whether it's real or not, I heard from yeah. when they were at Saturday Night Live yeah. that they're well, really re into each other. It yeah. was real it. for me yeah. last night. Yeah. Although Mahomes made it pretty real for me too. Cheese will be next. Coming up, chaos in the Capitol. Former Democratic Congresswoman Donna Edwards on 20 plus days without a House Speaker. It's not good for us in the United States, but it is horrible for the rest of the world. And former Republican member Kevin Brady on what his party has to do. Look, I think the biggest pressure is from House Republicans themselves. They are ready to go. Stay tuned, more Squawk Pod right ahead. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? 
At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Five for five this week for all of us, I think. Barring, you know. Illness. Yeah, or whatever. Foreseen circumstances. Mm-hmm. Meantime, uh, House Republicans will have more candidates to consider for House Speaker after Jim Jordan failed at his bid uh, for that job. Want to get straight to Washington, D.C. this morning. Emily Wilkins has been working the phones all weekend uh, trying to figure out where all of this is headed next. Emily. Morning, Andrew. Well, yeah, the race for Speaker of the House is about to get a lot more complicated. Nine Republicans have announced that they're going to try and run for the top spot. They spent the weekend working the phones as well, trying to build support among their colleagues. They're going to make their case in person tonight at a candidate forum. And then tomorrow, it kind of feels like Groundhog Day around here, we're going to have yet another conference meeting for another vote on who the nominee will be. And again, once one is chosen, they're still going to need to go to the floor and get those 270 votes, something that neither Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise were able to do. Now, former Speaker Kevin McCarthy has already uh, backed Tom Emmer. He currently serves as the majority whip, and he's the third highest position in the House GOP. McCarthy told Kristen Welker on Meet the Press over the weekend that Republicans need to select a speaker as soon as possible. I just know this is not a time to play games. This is, a, this is embarrassing for the Republican Party. It's embarrassing for the nation. And we need to look at one another and solve the problem. In hopes of speeding up the process, Congressman Mike Flood has been circulating a unity pledge that Republicans will back whoever becomes the nominee for speaker. But as Congressman Troy Nielsen told us last week, right now it feels like even Jesus couldn't get to 217. Becky, we'll have to see if this week finally brings about a resolution for a speaker. Okay, Emily, thank you very much. For more on Washington, D.C.'s legislative logjam, we want to bring in Donna Edwards. She is former Maryland congresswoman. She's now an MSNBC political analyst. Also, Kevin Brady, who's the former Texas congressman who served as chair of the Ways and Means Committee. And thank you both for being with us this morning. Kevin, why don't we start with you? Um, your party, you're, you're looking at what's happened here. I'm guessing you're probably pretty glad you're not there at the moment dealing with this. Well, not really. First, Donna, it's nice to see you again. Um, Becky, uh, no, it's been painful, frankly, because there's a lot of good people in the House Republican conference that just want to get back to work. It's been very frustrating for them. I think, you know, in a sense, uh, the election um, tomorrow may be a bit of a fresh start uh, in the sense you've got nine candidates, half of whom um, uh, have been in leadership roles, uh, voted on and elected conference wide or near conference wide. Uh, a lot of talent. I think uh, in that group, I think we will know probably by one o'clock tomorrow um, who that speaker nominee is and how close they are uh, to 217. Um, I think the conference is eager to arrive at that uh, consensus. And uh, I think they'll give this person more time than Majority Leader Scalise had. I think they're going to be eager to get that 217 or near before they head to the floor. And so, uh, look, it's been pretty raw these last 20 days uh, among the House Republicans, uh, not easily moving past 
some of these battles. But um, look, I wouldn't discount the quality of the people who are running and their ability to to, to gain consensus from from both ends, really, of the Republican conference. I mean, there's got to be so much frustration with those original eight who voted to remove uh, Kevin McCarthy from the speakership position to set down this path and then to not know exactly what's there, to hear some of them now saying, hey, you have to vote for, for whoever. There's got to be so much frustration for them for kicking this process off into place. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And I think what's interesting is you don't see in this nine, you don't see necessarily a Freedom Caucus placeholder or necessarily um, on the other side of the spectrum, a placeholder to block. Uh, so there may well be two or three candidates in there that are amenable or who can bring that consensus together. Hey, Donna, at some point, I, I, I would think this becomes a problem for everyone because you've got to get back to the business of what's happening in the House. Where, where do we go? What kind of issues will it be? Will they be able to start legislating again quickly? Or is there going to be too much back and forth? Well, it's so interesting and uh, good to see you as well, Kevin, uh, to think about times when you know, a Kevin Brady and a Donna Edwards could have policy disagreements, but could come together on uh, some issues. And so I, I think that right now we're in a situation where if a, if a speaker does not come out of this round here, I think it increases the pressure uh, to come with some kind of an agreement about a temporary speaker. Um, you look at what's ahead in the next several, uh, several week, couple of weeks, um, you've got the budget that needs to be finished and appropriations. Uh, you have this uh, aid package that has to be has to be done. There's a lot of work to be done between now and the end of the year, and you just can't have this chaos that continues. Um, and unfortunately, I think looking at this group of nine uh, candidates, I'm not really sure uh, that any of them can, at least on a first or even a second ballot. Uh, come up with the 217 that's necessary. And I think that that increases uh, the pressure as it should. The American people are looking at this and thinking that the chaos is not just good. It's not good for uh, for us in the United States, but it is horrible uh, for the rest of the world. So, um, you know, the pressure is on. Hey, uh, Congressman Brady, Kevin, the uh, the nine, and you, you referenced where I was going to go. You got these some of these Freedom Caucus guys are way over here, and then you've got some, some guys that were elected in, in uh, areas that voted for Joe Biden. So that, you know, that defines where these guys are. And so you're not going to get a Jordan, and then you know, you're not going to get somebody over here who doesn't satisfy the Freedom Caucus. Who out of the nine is, is palatable? But what about Byron Donalds? Is he too, uh, is, is too freedom-y? Or in his Emmer to Scalise, is he too, uh, you know, too middle of the road? That, that, that's the problem Don is alluding to. And I, then there's no way they're going to the Democrats. Donald wants that to make some deal for, uh, you know, for a pro-temporary thing. It'd be easier to get four guys that didn't have McCarthy. Just put McCarthy back up and get four of those guys to reverse their, their votes. Because he had 96% yeah. of the caucus. Yeah, so I, I don't see that happening just from the dynamics that have occurred since that day. And as you know, 96 percent House Republicans agree with you. This should have never have happened. So, look, I think among the nine, I hesitate to just pick out one or two. But he, here's the point. They're all well known 
from the conference in their leadership positions have been supported before. You know, Congress, as Don will tell you, is a bit of a small high school. So you get to know these people very well and how uh, the respect that they have, their ability to build that consensus. And I think you've got a number of candidates in there uh, who can do that. But I think the pressure is I don't I don't believe there'll be a coalition at all. I don't think that's real I mean, Donna, or possible. Donna, they, um, they could do present. You could have a couple of Democrats do present. That wouldn't kill them, would it? For yeah, you know, I think um, Look, at the end of the day, I, I just don't really. I agree with Kevin. I mean, this. I really. Yeah, I don't really see that happening. But I think at the end of the day um, that if a speaker um, it doesn't come out of this part of the process, that it really does ramp up the pressure. There's just too much that has to be done. It's not like there are things that people want to do. There are things that have that must be done in the next uh, couple of weeks, and Congress cannot remain stymied uh, like okay. this. And then even as the Senate moves forward on an aid package, where does it go if the House doesn't have a speaker who can function? Kevin, I, I mean, uh, is em Emmer's been there for a while, and he's he's headed up some important. Uh, component. But how long, Byron Donald has not been there that long, I don't think so. I, you think Emmer is the guy at this point, Kevin? So it really very hard. I, I'm saying this honestly, very hard to predict because oh. things have been moving so quickly here. Yes, from a leadership position, uh, anyone in those key leadership positions start with a base of support uh, going forward. And in a short timetable, uh, that may be key. On the other hand, some people are looking for some fresh outside uh, the box thinking there. So, but they do know. Look, I think the biggest pressure is uh, for getting a speaker is from House Republicans themselves. They are ready to go. Uh, Kevin, Donna, thank you both. Uh, we will see what happens. But yeah, clearly there's going to be some action that's uh, taken this week, we hope, and we'll see what comes. Thank you. Next on Squawk Pod, NBA star Andre Iguodala, or Iggy, swapping the courts for the C-suites. He's going full-time investing, and his baller dreams are focused on bigger arenas. Athletes and the way media rights have gone, you know, they've been able to accumulate this wealth to where they can participate in some of these uh, transactions with ownership in NBA teams. Michael Jordan has been able to do it. Uh, Magic Johnson, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, the greats have been able to do it. And I'm very, very sure that LeBron James has his eye on it. But, you know, timing is everything. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Up and Andrew, Hugh. After nearly two decades in the NBA, our next guest is retiring from pro basketball and pivoting full-time to the world of venture capitalism. Joining us right now is Andre Iguodala, Iggy, four-time NBA champion, the Golden State Warriors, NBA All-Star, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, what haven't you done, Andre? It's great to see you this morning. Congratulations on a, a pretty remarkable career. Thank you. Really appreciate you having me on this AM. Uh, it ain't over, though, because uh, you are taking uh, what you've been doing uh, off the court, the side hustle of sorts that's been going on nearly for almost a decade in your career while you were on the court, 
and, and now moving into the venture capital world full time. Uh, what, what is that about? What is that like? And just tell us a little bit about your thinking about retiring to begin with. Yeah, well, I started, you know, investing 10 years ago. Uh, it's been an amazing, amazing learning experience uh, for many uh, times, uh, shadowing founders, shadowing VCs, uh, their firms, you know, taking internships. But uh, schedule started to get a little bit too busy. So decided to step away from the court. Uh, the court was actually taking time away from investing. So uh, going full time investing and, uh, you know, basketball has helped me being in the business of sports and being media companies has enabled me to understand both sides. But it was time for me to take a step away from the court to fully invest. So you have a partner, Rudy Klein Thomas, and you have a fund now, $200 million, if not more, uh, with him called Mosaic. What, what are you going to be looking for and what are you going to be trying to do? Well, we're focused, focused on uh, enterprise, fintech, healthcare, and sports companies. And, you know, over the last 10 years of investing in the space um, and having some of the best mentors, uh, it's enabled me to learn from them and position myself for the opportunity uh, that's, that's come about with this fund. Uh, what we want to focus on is not just backing the best early stage companies, but also being obsessed with changing the way representation of minorities um, in the industries that we're investing in. So we have many plans to uh, kind of tackle on that initiative. How important was it for you to be a part of the Warriors? And I ask that in the context of you now being a venture capitalist, given the community uh, that exists around uh, Palo Alto and San Francisco that you were a part of. Well, this is where it's all happening, you know, disruption. Uh, it has started here. You know, some of the best bad companies, um, all different sectors, uh, software, uh, the, the SaaS world, been able to learn from uh, some of the best minds. You know, uh, Eric Wan at Zoom, uh, Jennifer Dahada at PagerDuty, uh, so many different folks that I've been able to interact with. You know, Oracle Arena, uh, you know, some of the best, brightest minds being in every single game. And, you know, and that's how you got into this, right? Because you, you met a whole bunch of these folks who were in that community at the time, right? For sure. You know, uh, on the court, at the games, you know, court side or off the court, you know, being able to interact, like I said before, having an opportunity to, um, you know, shadow some of these founders and see what they're looking for in the market, you know, to go to market strategies and, you know, being a real uh, steward, uh, student of the businesses and now having an opportunity to take that and, you know, have had the Player Technology Summit introducing other athletes to the space and trying to be uh, at the head of this investing in the tech world for, for not just, uh, you know, athletes, but the best uh, up and coming founders and CEOs. So, Andre, the question is, is your experience replicatable? Meaning there's part of me that thinks you're you're a very special unicorn in this in this ecosystem. But I know there's a lot of players who are constantly asking for advice saying, how, how can I get a $200 million fund myself? Well, it's kind of like golf. You have to be obsessed with it. You know, it's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, we spent our whole lives getting ready for the NBA. You have to have a similar focus in order to be uh, a great tech investor. You know, uh, as they say, you only need one company to hit. But for me, it's bigger than just investing. As I said before, you know, we want to change the way uh, the ecosystem works, uh, how the representation um, and the participation uh, minorities um, haven't been able to exist at the same levels as everyone else. So just getting my foot in the door, but not only want to open the door, but, you know, wedge it open 
to bring others like myself who haven't been, had the opportunities, you know, to know what's going on as early as everyone else. Andre, uh, what, what's maybe the most interesting thing you've seen? Uh, something that's surprised you, something you learned and you thought, okay, this is a company that's doing something really amazing. You got anything you've got your sights on right now? Well, we got a couple companies, you know, uh, we've already been investing. Uh, we got a comp company like Vessel, who we think is going to be a real disruptor in the real estate uh, industry. We've also got a company named Jump I'm really excited about. Um, it's going to change the way we interact you know, with live events, uh, with ticketing. Um, and coming from the sports world, I'm really excited about that one. Uh, A1 is a, a NFL agency as of right, right now. We think of, think of it as agency 2.0. Um, and, and how we think about athletes. And we got really big plans for there. Uh, not sharing too much on that one, but A1's what about, one. What about Jump? I mean, that sounds really interesting, especially when you consider some of the pressures that have come on, on Ticketmasters and some of the others at this point. What would you do differently? Well, we just see how fans are interacting with uh, their teams uh, and the stadiums a little bit differently from all the data that's going on. You know, uh, you hear about the big plans going on in L.A., uh, with the Clippers and Steve Ballmer and how they have the most restrooms that we've seen, you know, small things to make that experience a little bit different, um, you know, as the game goes on further and further, you know, what's available within the arena, how can you get a better experience or change your experience or last minute change, you know, you may not be able to make it to the game, but you can still uh, be able to use that ticket or, or, or profit from it um, at some point with someone else who may be at the game who want, who want to change seats. So, um, we look at Jump as something that's uh, really going to disrupt that business and, and how it is a B2B um, platform for teams. Talk, hey, Andre, talking about teams, and, and you now own a, own a bunch, but I know your, your dream, I think, is maybe to be one of the owners of an NBA team. Do you have your eye on one? I know LeBron would like to own uh, Vegas if it comes up. Yeah, yeah, everyone's having that conversation, and uh, what better way than to um, – Finally, be in a space where you know athletes um, and the way media rights have gone. And, you know they've been able to accumulate this wealth to where they can participate in some of these uh, transactions with ownership in NBA teams. You know we've been having a lot of these conversations within our communities and the sports and music side. Um, but you know Michael Jordan has been able to do it. Uh, Magic Johnson, you know Shaquille O'Neal, uh, the greats have been able to do it. And I'm very very sure that LeBron James has his eye on it. Um, but, you know, timing is everything. Uh, obviously, uh, with the new CBA that just came out, a lot of players seeing seen opportunities, and we want to take full advantage of it. Andre, I uh, want to thank you for uh, being on the broadcast. I want to congratulate you again on a remarkable uh, career on the court, and we know you're going to have a, a remarkable one off the court. We hope you'll uh, come on in and keep us updated with all your progress, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Look forward to checking back in with you. That's the pod for today. Thanks for kicking off your week with us. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And let us know what you think. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate us or even write a review. That helps other listeners discover what we do here. Have a great Monday. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. 
with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 